0: Welcome back to the F1 in school student life podcast, I'm your host Ponya Trihan. I'm a VC student, blogger and podcaster and my personal aim is to provide F1 in school students the knowledge and resources to reach their full potential, not just as students but as a team too and hopefully pass on that same knowledge to the next generation of F1 in school students. This podcast is about why team meetings are an active waste of our time how you can use team meetings appropriately, and a better way of holding team meetings. Lastly, I go over the strategies of practicing deep work in the affluent school's competition. If you would like to check out more of my content, you can check it out on my Instagram, my YouTube channel, or my website. You can also get in touch with me directly if you need specific feedback through Instagram or other messages. I really, really hope you find this podcast helpful. We often like to assume that if we dedicate time towards the F1 of Schools competition or anything in our life, we're automatically making progress. And we are actually accomplishing something every single time you work towards the goals. In truth, we amongst almost all other F1 Schools teams are accomplishing very little in the majority of the work we are completing. Luckily, there are some things we can do to mitigate many of the problems we face. We will discuss these problems and hopefully get to a point where we minimize the amount of time we waste so the number the number one problem with team meetings is that we believe that we're making progress however we're not most of the time we're sitting in a large room with our teammates and probably other F1 in schools teams what this does what this doesn't do a good job at is making sure that we don't get distracted and if for instance we do happen to get in a flow state, or in a state of deep work, it's generally done at a very low quality. And we can often get distracted when we're working in a place where what is known as a team meeting. So in other words, meetings don't provide an adequate environment for deep work, which, um, as Carl Newport would say, it doesn't provide an adequate environment for effective communication with your team either. So the second problem is that team meetings in the Aphrodite Schools competition can often be a form of procrastination. As anyone who works in a high company hell, high company would tell you, meetings generally require very low effort and you don't really do much in it. You kind of just sit there. Sometimes you don't even have a clear objective or a goal and just hold it for the sake of holding a team meeting. Sometimes, and in rare circumstances, someone in a team is actually producing high quality work, and once again is in a state of flow like I mentioned before. However, this person's concentration can easily be broken by a team member asking a harmless question or a distraction such as a sound, an object, or something else that we can't control. We'll go into these, these distractions a little bit more in depth later. So another problem is that F1School's team meetings are almost always longer than necessary. And the fixed time regimen means that after all of the topics we were meant to cover in that meeting were covered, we Don't make a productive use of the rest of the time. Progress in the F1 schools competition should and could be described as coming up with an idea, completing text for your portfolio, developing a logo prototype, or coming up with a kick-ass car prototype. All of this is possible to do by ourselves, and we rarely ever need the help of our teammates to do so. Without the need of the whole team, of course. It is possible to work as a team and still get a large majority of work done. For the majority of the time, we need to work independently and that yields the greatest results. I will also add that sometimes certain team members do work well together and certain team members need to work together. However, they do not work well together. These are barriers and you really do have to spend quite a lot of time trying to come up with an alternative solution. For example, if two team members do not get along, however they have similar roles, for example, they're both engineers, you need to figure out what the cause of the problem is and make a lot of effort in trying to fix that problem rather than trying to forget about it. Problem number four, F1 in School's team meetings are generally draining of energy. For the majority of F1 in School students or probably around half F1 school students are introverts and that's not all F1 school students that's probably a very por- a portion it's maybe 40% maybe 60% but somewhere around there even for most of us when we are working in an environment with lots of affluent school students we can't really focus and that can be a, that can be draining of an, our energy On top of that, the commute to go to a team meeting can often be long and tedious. Sometimes it can be after school or before school. If it's before school, that means that you might have one less hour of sleep, or that might mean that you didn't have an adequate breakfast and therefore, for the rest of the day, you're not producing um, higher content ideas, high level content ideas. Or if it's in the afternoon, That might drain your energy and you might not be able to work as well as you are meant to by yourself at home. We rarely have time or the motivation to complete our work. And when we do, team meetings are a distraction. And they can drain the majority of our willpower and our mental energy. These problems go on and on. Although I have outlined some problems that may or may not be a problem for all F1 school's teams, there are always things we can do better. Below are a set of rules that will help all F1 in Schools teams. In making sure that they're being the most productive, are producing the highest quality work possible and spending time in meetings for things that actually matter. Things that separate your f Schools team from all other teams. So rule number one is you shouldn't hold team meetings for the sake of holding team meetings. As human beings, or as people who have grown up in a society with routines and schedules, we like having consistency. And consistency is great, but at some point, these routines fail to be as effective as they once were. So in this context, I'm talking about team meetings, and if you consistently get into the habit of attending a team meeting, sometimes they aren't nearly as effective as they originally were. We get distracted. and we don't produce nearly as much work as we could. And a lot of the time team meetings are held when not necessary. Even when students could complete work by themselves, they are asked to complete it in an environment with many other students, often unnecessarily. This is important, as we realise that the fact that most F1 in schools teams produce the highest quality work when they're in their own environment. Additionally, F1 school's teams produce the highest quality work when each member does what's best for both themselves and the team. So the best thing for the team would be if each member works by themselves. Of course this isn't always, always the case, sometimes teams can do really well together, and they can work well together, sometimes, other times it can be a problem and it's important to find that balance between when it's a good time to work as a team and when it's not. And you can do this just by asking the team and it might take a a bit of consistency in asking that team members finally admit that team meetings weren't very helpful. Okay, so in general, if you want your team to produce the highest quality work as a team manager or just a student, you need to allow each team member to be in a place that they feel is adequate, a space or a location that they can work without distraction and at a time where that specific person is in the the right headspace. As a team, you will also realise that certain members need to be working together while others don't. And this is something you need to account for. And this may not apply for younger F1 school students. What I mean by that is that some team students, some younger F1 school students, actually need motivation to help themselves. Some younger F1 school students need motivation to drive one another. And even when it isn't necessary, for example, a graphic designer and, and, and an engineer to work together, it can be incredibly helpful. As uh, Students might require a motivation boost. However, for the majority of F1 in school students, this isn't necessary. Now, my second rule, and a rule that I firmly believe in, is that team meetings should be sure. I would regard a meeting as when all F1 in school's team members are together, while at least the majority of them, and are discussing F1 in schools, or work related to F1 in schools. Now, this could be a meeting when it hasn't been described or labelled as a meeting. For example, at snack or lunch, if you were all together, I would consider that as a meeting. These meetings shouldn't be any longer than 25 minutes. However, it is important to separate these meetings from when you're hanging out because getting to know one another can be incredibly helpful. When it is a focus day and when you are discussing very specific manners in the F1 in Schools program, Meetings don't need to be any longer than 25 minutes for most cases. Sometimes they will need to be longer. However, those should be rare and shouldn't be consistent. You're meant to be discussing the overall ideas, the initiatives, and possibly some decisions that can heavily impact the team. You're not meant to be discussing very specific things that do not matter. For example, a very small change in your text. For example, something that you might need to discuss is the final logo. And in this scenario, the engineers may not have an important role, as they might not have the required taste to choose out a proper logo. Okay, so my third rule is to set an initiative at the start of every team meeting. Set a goal or a mission statement, something that you will achieve. This can also be called a highlight. If you do this, it will ensure that you don't spend um, too much time on matters that aren't important to that goal and you don't go off track. This will mean that you will be very specific in what you say and you'll have a high-quality output. So all teams in the Affiliate School's major, work, major goal should be to increase the amount or the quality or the higher the highestness of how high each member is working cognitively. I know I phrased that wrong, but hopefully you kind of get what I'm talking about. Okay, so I could describe this as when you're working or you're studying for school. Sometimes when you're working in math you're really pushing the cognitive limits and you're really putting a lot of motivation and willpower into your work. In other words, you're putting more effort, mentally. Okay, now, this also directly applies to the F1 schools. Sometimes, or some of the work that you're doing, requires a lot of effort. For example, if you're drafting logo ideas, or if you're um, writing text, or if you're working on a car. Generally speaking, those, those sort of things should and need high efforts, mentally speaking. However, things like messaging your team or scrolling through your team's Instagram, that sort of stuff doesn't require a lot of effort. And you should be reducing the amount of time you're spending on those low effort tasks. You can even bulk do them or distribute them amongst the team. So in total, no member is working too long in those specific areas. Those specific types of works, which will require very little Um, demand cognitively cognitively is actually called shallow work and shallow work is not necessarily bad and it's not necessarily like um, harmful but it needs to be reduced or at least have a cap to it okay so if if as a team you're communicating numerous times per day that might actually be too much now this is kind of a kind of an absurd idea because most teams decide to communicate a lot, and very consistently. Now, this can actually be helpful, however, at some point it needs to be stopped. Once or twice a day is actually enough. Now, what this doesn't account for is actually calls. For example, if a member needs needs help on a very specific task, that's when you actually have a high level of collaboration. And generally speaking, that's not a whole team event. It's about optimizing the time you're using in a positive manner. It's about analyzing whether or not the task you're completing or the interaction you're having is beneficial to your team. And this doesn't necessarily mean that things such as hanging out with the team are bad because they can actually be incredibly helpful. And I would call that a high quality interaction. And of course, you can't um, quantify these things. However, you can kind of get a general idea of what team interactions are positive and which ones are negative. Okay, so one reason why we all really like team meetings is because they're, generally speaking, very convenient. And it's very convenient to say that, yes, I worked one hour today. However, that doesn't necessarily mean you are productive. The reason we like to complete um, habits or Work such as meetings or chatting or using websites such as monday.com is because they're easy to do and they're very convenient. They don't require a lot of deep work or a lot of cognitive effort. And the thing is, anyone or any untrained person could do any of these tasks. However, on the contrary, it's really, really difficult to work hours upon hours trying to develop a logo idea. Or trying to work in a state of deep work until failure, keyword, until, or close to. Okay. Or for example, working on a car design and actually following through with it. All these things are very difficult to do and often cannot be completed by someone who hasn't been trained in those areas or hasn't got the skills in those areas. This is a work that we need to spend more time on. and. And one reason why we like team meetings is because team managers, or maybe team members in general, like the feeling of checking in with the team. And checking in with your team can be a destroyer of productivity. And this isn't always true. However, consistently checking in with your team and not completing your work can actually be a form of procrastination. And it's actually generally very difficult to tell whether or not you're procrastinating. And it's important to understand that the f Schools program was actually designed to teach students about things like science, technology, engineering, and math. But the main thing that separates F1 in Schools from all other programs, or at least in my experience, is that F one school students teaches F one school students, F one schools teaches F one school students to solve problems and develop problem solving skills. So, even a graphic designer could do a lot better work in areas such as math or history or science in school. The reason being is that they've learned to solve problems. And any problem that they have in their life, emotionally, like physically, or socially, they can fix, or at least try their best to fix, or get better at fixing. Problem solving skills, or having the skills to problem solve, should, problem solve should never be underestimated. And these sort of skills that are taught directly through deep work can positively impact you in every single aspect of your life which is why we need to prioritize deep work and not put not prioritize things such as shallow work because they don't really push us so as f1 in schools teams we can make sure that we're producing high quality work and work that is enhancing our problem solving abilities by giving our team a unique advantage to all other F1Schools teams. And we can do this through not consistent meetings or shallow work, but be replaced by replacing this with shorter meetings and with deep work. Now, in general, this shouldn't be like a switch where you completely change it. This is like a spectrum. Where do you fit on it? How highly do you want to prioritize deep work? And the higher, the higher is not always better. Sometimes just 10 more minutes of deep work per day and just 10 less minutes of shallow work per day can have all the difference. And you don't need to go overboard with this at all. For example, 30 minutes of work on your own can actually be much more beneficial than an hour of work with a team. Sometimes, and for some team members, it can be the other way around working for 30 minutes in a team environment can be much more beneficial than working for 30 minutes by themselves. This can be true, however, statistically it's unlikely. This is why a lot of failed ideas in relation to building open offices have had a problem. However, when team when teams or employers employees work individually, they're much more likely to produce higher quality work and make less mistakes too. This is because all these members, all these employees are practicing deep work. Deep work isn't impossible to practice with another individual, however, it's unlikely and is a lot more difficult to practice and requires practice. The following, um, couple of minutes will provide you a comprehensive method on how you can complete deep work. And the idea of deep work has been popularized by Carl Newport. So in F1 schools and as an individual, you can encourage deep work in your team as a leader or as a team manager by teaching others what you have learned about deep work. So if you've learned personally, that when you're studying 25 minute breaks, you're more efficient, you can pass that on to your team. And believe it or not, most students will actually take into consideration these ideas. As long as they meet meet some sort of a criteria, for example, um, they've got some sort of science behind them, they've got some sort of logic. So a good question to ask is, how do you actually practice deep work by yourself? Now, to start start unwrapping this question, a follow-up question actually needs to be asked. It's, what do you think a state of deep work looks like to you? Or perhaps already looks like for you? Think back to a time where you were just in a flow state. What was your environment like? On your desk, were there a lot of objects or was it clean? Were you in your bedroom or were you in an office? Were you at the library or were you at home? What time of the day was it? Who are you with? Did you did you eat something earlier on? Were you having a drink while you were working? Did you have headphones on? Were you listening to music? What were you wearing? All these, thoughts, all these things are important factors to consider. And these small changes, these 1% improvements in our workspace, can have a big impact in how we actually work and the state of deep work we complete. Most of us or, or the majority of us at some point or another have been in a state of deep work. And it's likely that we've been in a state of deep work when we're, when we're actually being closer to a deadline. And that's kind of just a um, correlation That's not necessarily a causation. Okay. The majority of us work in a state of deep work when we have little to no distractions. Generally speaking, we kind of have a balance or a neutralization in our other senses. For example, we're listening to music like lo-fi. It's consistency allows us to work in a state of deep work. And this is different from individual to individual. And finding out what works for you is super important. Because what works for me might not work for you. If I listen to music without lyrics, and you listen to music with lyrics, we could have the same level of focus, but with completely different um, states of deep work. Okay. Now, one thing we can do to eliminate kind of... The mental buffer that's going in our head or the mental processing, the negative type, is by writing down our thoughts on paper or probably a laptop. Now this can be incredibly helpful for starting to get into the flow state. Now this is basically journaling and kind of getting all your thoughts or your emotions or your feelings down on paper and doing it until you kind of feel this sense of ease. Okay. Now, the number one recommendation would be to just minimize distractions. And finally, and sorry, and it is true that in this day and age, we can't really help looking at our phones or playing games or scrolling through YouTube or Netflix or spending hours scrolling through social media platforms such as Instagram and TikTok. Cutting off all of these things would be dangerous and probably ridiculous. However, for for a few hours per day, we need to switch these off just for when we're spending uh, our efforts in deep work. Now, you can do this by logging out of those specific platforms or by switching off your phone or the device you're on. Sometimes in the F1 schools, it's actually possible to switch off all technology while working. However, for some roles, this might not be as helpful. It's all about just doing what works best for you. And that's how I would sum this all up anyway. Now, minimizing distractions from our mind compared to in our environment is slightly different. Sometimes at home, we can't really change our environment too much. Maybe we're we're with someone. Or we can't move our desk into a room. Or perhaps we don't have a desk and the specific locations where we can actually have a balanced environment for example at a library or at a school. These sort of things and these sort of precautions we make means that we'll be less distracted by others and all these distractions actually include things such as loud noises, pets, visual distractions or distractions from others. For the majority of people just by taking care of these two types of distraction will lead to a crazy amount of improvement in us in our deep work. Now, our thoughts, of course, are very difficult to change, but we can kind of, in a sense, slow them down. And in my opinion, one, there are a few things we can do to change our thought processes. Not necessarily change the processes themselves, but kind of improve them or kind of update them. Now, things like meditation can be helpful, reading, walking, and just sitting down can be helpful. In the following section of this podcast, I'm going to be talking about the strategies to practice deep work, or things that can improve our ability to deep work. Okay, so the first thing we can do is by scheduling our day, or not necessarily scheduling a whole day, but scheduling parts of it. We like to believe that we've got a pretty strong idea of what our day-to-day looks like in our mind, but in reality and in actuality, we're probably very off about this measure and we're probably overestimating the amount of time we're spending working, or at least productively, and the amount of time we're spending just by taking breaks or doing nothing. By nothing, I mean doing anything that isn't contributing to our life in a positive manner. Or something that's neutral. Now, these things aren't necessarily bad. For example, um, don't, watching an episode on Netflix. But at a macro level, if they're taking up too much of our time, they can be very negative. So scheduling a day can be very helpful for practicing deep work. Because we get an idea of, number one, what a day looks like. And number two, where we can squeeze in deep work. Or when we can actually place it in our day. Daily and weekly scheduling can be a very good method of actually making sure that we're completing deep work consistently. And how we schedule can be as simple as writing down the time when we're going to practice deep work or scheduling every part of my day like I do. Now, one interesting method for practicing deep work is by setting one singular intention or one singular task every single day, just one task we need to complete. Now in general, this should be specific, but can also be broad. Now, in the book Make Time, we can actually label this, and we label this as our daily highlight. So most F1 in school students love to get excited over tasks especially ones that seem interesting. However, we at some point need to realize that it's not sustainable or efficient to work on multiple tasks at a single time. In a single time, I mean at one in one day. We can mitigate this problem of um, losing our willpower by consistently switching tasks, by just prioritizing one goal per day, one intention per day, and one task per day. And all of these are just meant to be one thing. Okay, to get one level deeper, and pun intended, working on one subtask at a day can actually be incredibly helpful. Now, for example, if your daily goal is to work on the enterprise portfolio, we can go deeper by breaking this into a subtask or perhaps multiple subtasks. Now, these can be... Um, simple as writing 100 words or creating three diagrams now you can start small or you can have very broad and have an ambitious goal in my opinion the one of the best ways you can do this and by really making this concrete is by using a flashcard or an index card or maybe even a piece of paper index cards however do work well now what you do is on one side you write basically the day of the year. Now you basically just write the date. On the other side you write down the task you're going to complete by the end of that day. And then you can create two piles and this pile will get larger and larger over time, but all you really need to create is one pile of the days in which you've been completed you completed you completed your daily highlight. And another pile of when you fail to do so. Now what you can do is on that index card at the top right why you were unable to complete your daily highlight. And what you're going to do to change. Now just by writing it down, you're neurologically more likely to do it. So another tip or another strategy would be to do deep work at the same time every day. As people, we're people of habits. And we like to do almost the same thing every single day. This is called a circadian rhythm. Because following a habit or routine is a lot more easy in our brain. And it's proven that the more you do something consistently, the less mental effort, in a sense, it requires. Now, the time at which one practices deep work every day on a daily basis should be completely personalized to your goal, your sleeping pattern, school time, your extracurriculars, or the time you spend in downtime, which is when you take a break. Now, one thing you can do is just setting a time limit for how much you're, how much deep work you're going to complete per day. Because the last thing because the last thing you want to do is burn out. And if you burn out, you might develop a strong aversion to the F1 school's program or any given task you're completing. Now, in my opinion, at least personally, the two biggest helps for me, are using two apps, one of which I don't use, but one I do, sorry I did say that incorrectly, I just mean one of these I do use and the other one I don't. So only one of them has been a great help, but the second one I've heard great stories about. Okay, so the app that I use is called Turkey. Now, Call Turkey is basically a writing app, which allows you to write like as you would in Word or a different platform like Google Docs, but with zero um, distractions on your actual computer, meaning you can't swipe into a different tab, you can't swipe into a different window, and even if you were to close the laptop and turn it back on, for the time you've allocated, you can't actually switch the tab you're on which means that you basically have to write if you want to do anything else. Now this can be incredibly motivating and can definitely push you. Another app, a different app that you can use is Forest, which is less extreme. However, if you do get distracted on your laptop, you kill your tree. And by that, I mean, whenever you work or you spend time in deep work, you develop this tree on your iPhone or your, your device and you don't want to kill the tree right so you keep working and both of these apps are basically available anywhere. now the number one thing you actually can do to increase the amount of deep work you're completing is by getting a team manager on board now team managers probably or the majority of them won't actually be happy with you not attending team meetings But if you can get your team manager on board and negotiate properly, you will have a lot of potential in increasing the amount of time you're spending in deep work. Meaning that if you tell your team manager that I do not want to attend meetings um, all five times in a week, which would be your school days, I only want to attend twice per week or three times per week or four times per week. And you tell them in return, I will show you the work I've produced. That over time could lead to your team to your team manager encouraging other students to also follow what you're doing if you work, if you work successfully in a state of deep work. Now other things you can do is taking breaks or starting small, meaning just starting with a 30-minute session of deep work a proper 30-minute session of deep work, meaning zero distractions. Now, 30 minutes might actually be very difficult for most people, and selling was for me when I started. So starting with a 10-minute session and then a 20-minute session, then a 30, then a 40, then a 50, then a 60 can be helpful. And in my opinion, that's how you should do it. And going from a 20-minute session to a 30-minute session might be over a week. Or might be over two weeks. Going from a 40 to 50 might be over a month and it increases as you go higher and higher up. Now n- another thing you can do is just by minimizing shallow work. When you minimize shallow work you don't waste your cognitive efforts. Now even though you're putting less effort it kind of all gets used up anyway and it drains us. When we're doing certain tasks, such as browsing Instagram, we no longer have the willpower to actually work on our goals or work on the F on the goals program. Now we can actually change. Now what we can do is exercise, and I genuinely mean exercise. Go for a run, have a workout, skip, do some push-ups, whatever's whatever's necessary. This could also mean things such as playing basketball, but intensely. Intensity is a key word here. Now, the thing is, when we exercise, we trigger certain biochemical reactions, which increase our neuroplasticity. And what this does is, it kind of allows us to easily form, or more easily form, neural connections. And this is because of the BDNF hormone. Now, exercising in a much more practical sense helps us get rid of the excess energy or lethargy we feel. And this can often feel um, feel euphoric in a sense. When we complete a run, it's a really strange feeling. And if you run correctly, you should enjoy it and it should almost be addicting. Okay, so another thing we can do is meditation. Or meditating. Now meditation is a difficult process for the majority of us to complete. Often because we're not used to it and we have some concerns. Now if you do meditate consistently for one week I can almost assure you that you will have an improved ability to complete deep work. Now how you meditate is actually very important in this scenario because there are a lot of YouTube videos on how to do this and the majority of them aren't that helpful. Some of them can be, but in my opinion, the best way to start meditation is by using certain apps, such as Headspace or Calm. They generally have skilled instructors that teach you how to meditate, rather than someone on the internet who's only been meditating for a week or two and sharing their experiences. Not that that's wrong, it just isn't very correct in terms of the fact that meditating just like any other sport or any other activity requires a lot of effort and consistency and it requires skill. Now the number one way you can actually increase how your level of deep work is by just sleeping more. Now obviously how much um benefit you experience from this really depends on what you sleep is like right now, or your sleep habits are like right now. For example, if you are getting consistent sleep, sleeping more shouldn't be necessarily helpful. However, if you're constantly sleep deprived, sleeping an extra two or three hours per night can actually be very helpful. Okay, that's about it for this episode. Now, basically what I go over in this episode, or as a conclusion, is that team meetings aren't helpful because they're an active form of procrastination. They're always longer than necessary, and the fixed time regimen means that after all topics are covered, we're just wasting time. They're also draining. Now, the couple of rules I talk about is that We shouldn't hold team meetings just for the sake of holding team meetings. We should keep team meetings short and we should set a strong initiative every time we have a team meeting. I also say I also give you strategies by which you can increase how well you complete deep work, such as scheduling, setting a daily highlight, doing deep work at the same time every day, giving giving yourself a time limit, using apps, such as forest or cold turkey, getting a team manager on board, taking breaks, starting small, minimizing shallow work, exercising, meditating and sleeping. If you found this podcast helpful, I recommend that you share it to someone who you think will benefit. If you don't feel like sharing it to someone, just tell someone one thing you learned from this podcast. Or try and apply just one thing today or tomorrow depending on when you're listening to this. Now, if you, found this, if you found this podcast helpful, you can check out my other work on my website, on my YouTube channel, or my Instagram. Thank you so, so much for listening, and I'll be back soon.